Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Erin Bookie, and today on the show, we're talking with Cynthia Nevels of vegan restaurant Soul Good, along with the vegan food scene in DFW and what entrepreneurial activism is all about. Then we'll chat with former dining critic Leslie Brenner about her cooking website, Cooks Without Borders. She's always got some interesting insight on the Dallas restaurant scene as well. It's going to be really fun, and it all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here for our show. We started adding more detailed show notes of everything we talk about, and you can find those recaps online with a bunch of links at dallasnews.com food. We also want to hear more from you, so send us your questions and voice memos via our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking about vegan food and lots of good cooking ideas, but now we're going to kick off the show with food reporters Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller to talk about what's in the news right now. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi, Erin. Well, thanks for being on. I know there is a ton of news. Last week, I think, Sarah, you said we were drinking from the fire hose of restaurant openings and other news. Such right a now. visual, right? Yes, yes. It is very, <laughs> very accurate. There's a ton of news still going on right now. Some of it a little, I know, stressful for moms who are trying to feed their babies out there. And Claire, I know you've been looking into the baby formula shortage. What have you found out recently on that? It's pretty bleak, and it's driving a lot of parents to desperation right now. North Texas is no exception. So this is a nationwide shortage Mm -hmm. and uh, really caused from one manufacturer, Abbott Labs, having to shut down production um, after some of their formula was found to be contaminated. And it's just created a whole uh, strain on the industry. And last I checked, the nationwide... um, formula stock was down 43% of what it should be. And so that's manifesting in grocery stores being wiped clean of formula. It's been very, very difficult, as you can imagine, for parents whose children um, rely solely on formula for nutrition, Mm -hmm. and especially for parents whose babies require specialty formulas. So um, right now, the way that I've seen parents are getting through it is really just from online help, finding Mm -hmm. online groups that are posting when formulas back in stock at certain grocery stores and um, people just kind of helping strangers out and, and buying them formula when they see it. And then just today we, we learned of a restaurant in Mansfield that was able to buy cases of formula through their 
restaurant distributor, U.S. Foods. Oh, wow. And so they yeah. bought some pallets of it and were able to um, get that delivered today and have been handing it out for free, a can each to families who need it. So it's really just uh, at this point, people are just getting by um, however they can. But there's a lot of anxiety over how long this is going to continue. And we don't really have answers on that. Abbott Labs is starting production back up, but it will take months until things get anywhere back to normal. Oh, my goodness. That's that's really sad. And so there are no other alternatives that people are seeking out. I know I've seen a lot of information online about please don't try to make your own formula um, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. What else have you seen on that front? Naturally, parents are are trying to figure out, well, what do I do? I, I'm down to my last can. I can't find any formula, let alone yeah. the one that my child is used to. What do I do? And so I think we have seen people turning to the internet for answers on, can you give your baby homemade formula? Can you give your baby cow's milk as a substitute? And mm-hmm. the answers across the board are, no, don't, don't do that. Um, (laughs) there are some really unhelpful, um, quote unquote answers out there of telling people, well, just breastfeed, you know, if you can't get formula, which that's not a solution for many people who um, have babies who are on formula. Um, and so there aren't many helpful answers out there right now for parents with young babies. Um, It's really just a matter of if people have the means to take the time and spend money on gas to drive all around from store to store, Mm -hmm. finding formula when it's back in stock. Wow. Man, there's enough hard stuff about being a mom or a dad or a caregiver, a grandparent in charge of a baby. Oof. That's a lot of extra. It's, it's It's so, so stressful. And it's really heartbreaking to see. I mean, every time I'm in a grocery store, I, I go back and look at the formula aisles just to see what is going on. And mm-hmm. it's always the same, no matter where I go, it's just wiped pretty much clean. Wow. Well, thank you so much for reporting on that, Claire. Um, it's an important story that I know a lot of people, if they don't have an infant that is being formula fed, they probably don't even think about, Yeah, you know, it's just kind of an invisible problem to a lot of people. Right. Um, but to the people it's affecting, it's, you know, extremely dire. So I appreciate your work on that, Claire. And so on to some kind of fun, trending, silly news. One of the funniest and maybe most confusing pieces of food news I've come across recently has been that Dolly Parton is set to star in a TikTok musical um, <laughs> on about Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. Like, I don't even know. That is just a word salad to me. Like, I, I don't know why any of those words are together in the same <laughs> sentence. Um, but have you guys seen this? And what do you what do you guys think about it? I do not understand what it is. I, I don't. Okay, I understand. I know what a Mexican pizza is. I don't think I've ever had one. I was like in the crunch wrap. Right. <laughs> um, but I am truly confused. Like, how did this, at what point was someone like, Taco Bell is bringing back their Mexican pizza. This deserves to be accompanied by music. Right. Specifically by Dolly Parton. Well, somebody, lots of somebody's deserve, I think, a big raise for this because this is a viral opportunity that was so very calculated. Yeah. So when the Mexican pizza came back, the rapper Doja Cat mm-hmm. announced that the Mexican pizza was coming back. She also did a rap, happened to do a rap on TikTok before this announcement. 
it is no coincidence that then she announced the Mexican pizza is coming back. Now, from there to Dolly Parton TikTok musical (laughs) is a bit of a leap. But Taco Bell is totally, totally harnessing TikTok and famous people to make their announcements in a way that I don't think they've done before. Or if they did, I don't know if we noticed enough. But this is hilarious to me. And I love every second of it, even though it's so confusing and weird. (laughs) Because... Everybody loves Dolly Parton. Right. I just, she's she's so lovable and this is so quirky and weird. My favorite fun fact about Dolly Parton is that she's the godmother of Miley Cyrus, which tells me so much about each of them, right. I feel like. Right. Um, and then, so therefore it's like not that surprising that she's teaming up with Doja Cat also, I guess, on this. But like. Nothing I mean, is an accident, I think, is what no, we should know from that's this. That's so true. And also <laughs> brilliant, brilliant on Taco Bell's part, like you said. I mean, that's kind yeah. of any brand's dream, right, is to have like celebrity, big celebrity fans that you can find a way to partner with. Yeah. And how much? How much money, though? This is what I need to know. This is the new story I need. No. How much do you pay Dolly? Or is she like, you can't possibly pay me what I'm worth? Right. So I'll do it because I like I like a Mexican pizza. I have yeah, no idea if she likes Mexican so. pizza. Three Mexican pizzas for life? I don't know. Right. Does oh. she need that? No. Does she eat that? Look at her. No way. <laughs> She's so beautiful and skinny. No way. <laughs> I think one story I read said she was a proud Mexican pizza super fan. So I don't know how much she was paid no, to say that. So or... <laughs> here's what that is. You hear like the crinkling paper and you hear an unrolling paper and she says, I am the <laughs> looks down proud fan of Mexican pizza TM. And then she throws the thing in the trash. Right. Yeah. Get your money. Well, good for Dolly Parton. Good for Taco Bell. Good for Taco Bell. Yeah. Good get. And obviously it's getting people to talk about it like we were doing now. So that's their goal. I mean, I'm going to watch it. I still don't know what it is, but I'm going to watch it. (laughs) Yes. 100% me too, Claire. And then I'm probably going to go get a Mexican pizza. Yeah. It's going to work. Buy one. I never have. Yeah. I have to. So I'll, I'll let you guys know. how You you know what you need to do is you need to go get one and be like, Dolly made me do it. Right. <laughs> yes. We all do what Dolly says. What would Dolly do? Excellent. <laughs> so um, uh, speaking of viral stuff, one of my new things is going on TikTok and seeing what people are cooking and what food they're talking about. I mean, a lot of it is honestly kind of disgusting. Some of the things that people make, (laughs) I think they're just doing it to freak people out and get people to talk about it. There's been some gross stuff on there, um, which I'm going to ignore, but there was um, one guy I saw um, ready, said cook chef said he calls himself. um, And he did a video of raising Cane's special sauce what he devised as the as the recipe um I mean that's going that's going pretty viral but the the funniest part about it was how he, he said Worcester sauce which I think was woo woo something woo woo whatever <laughs> how do you sauce. say it how do you say it Aaron Worcester isn't that isn't that how you say it how do you say it Claire uh I think I say Worcester sauce Worcester but- it depends on if you're from Massachusetts or not, I think. I think if you if I had it in front of me and I was like reading it, I would probably say like War Worcestershire? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Wor- Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire <laughs> sauce. Worcester. Wow. It's tough. I don't know. I don't really know how to say it either. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, raising cane sauce is great. I think yes. that mayo and ketchup are one of that's like one of the most brilliant and beautiful pairings of all time. 
I love any <laughs> sauce first. that has mayo and ketchup in it. Uh, so <laughs> although, um, yeah, I don't know how motivated I'd be to make it myself. It's easy, though. <laughs> it is easy. So the deal with their secret cane sauce is that it's a secret, right? And you, right. you might know that it's mayo ketchup based, but you don't know what else is in it. Right. And in 2015, someone got fired from Cane's and went to Twitter and posted the recipe <laughs> out of spite, uh, which is <laughs> hilarious and mean and awesome all in one. And uh, this thing, I just looked up the tweet because we wrote about it back then. And the yeah. tweet today has about 6,000 retweets and about 5,500 likes. So a lot of people really do care how to make cane sauce at home. Yeah. Now, the the tip is, if you just go to Cane's, you can get like an extra one for oh, like yeah. maybe a quarter. So you don't have to make this stuff yourself, but <laughs> it's not hard. This this recipe says it has mayo, ketchup, garlic, salt, Worcestershire sauce, <laughs> and black pepper, just like the TikTok guy says. So I, I think they're probably right. I think it's a four or five yeah. or six ingredient sauce. Okay, the TikTok video... We should put it in the show notes. The thing yes, that struck me sure. not about how he said that one word was the amount of sauce in each yes, dunk. Yes, he did. I was whoa. like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, whoa. It was. I was like, don't eat all that. Don't take that bite. He's just drinking sauce at that point. Like, where even it's, is the chicken? I just don't stick see your it. finger in there yeah. and eat it off your finger. Yeah, that was the funny part for me. Cane sauce is good, though. I mean, I think. Oh, for sure. I think it's it's their thing other than their chicken and their crinkle cut fries. It is something they're incredibly proud of and i get it yep yeah i can see why they would want to be protective of that recipe for sure all right well thank you guys for being on the show uh coming up we'll be talking with cynthia nevels from soul good we'll be right back central market is really into food like when we say cheese it's in 12 languages into food butchers bakers and sushi roll makers into food we're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food central market is really into food if you are too then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map get inspired get adventurous or just get a chef made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time no place makes every meal more amazing like central market really into food shop now at centralmarket.com This is Eat Drink DFW. I'm Erin, and we're back to talk with special guest Cynthia Nevels of local vegan restaurant Soul Good. She opened her flagship restaurant at the beginning of 2022 in Denton, and she's working on lots of other projects uh, like she tends to do. She's always got a lot going on. Um, she's always been a big advocate for the vegan scene, as well as helping boost access to entrepreneurial resources in the community. She actually just joined the national team for the Goldman Sachs One Million Black Women program as a senior your business advisor. So that's exciting. And she's also invested in locally woman-owned Happy Tomato Fresh Salsa, which is sold at Central Market and Natural Grocers. Hi, Cynthia. So happy to have you on the show. Hi, Erin. I'm happy to be here with you. Oh, good. Yeah, it's always, always great to talk to you. Since this is your first time on the show, why don't you tell us a little bit about Soul Good and when you started your restaurant and what inspired you to start that? Sure. Happy to do so. I'll make sure I don't share any of my secret recipes on here. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> None of your secret sauces. No. <laughs> that cracked me up. I can't believe it. But we started out as a food truck and catering company and now a full-scale 
quick service restaurant located in Denton, Texas, and now looking to open another express unit over um, in Dallas. Um, finally, we've been waiting for a long time to have some type of space and place and home in Dallas. So we're coming home oh, <laughs> this awesome. summer. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so what kind of food do you you have at Soul Good? Oh my gosh. So, you know, since we've opened the restaurant, I've been able to be even more creative. Um, I recently released on Instagram the new lemon feta vegan Belgian waffle that people are really loving. It's a really fluffy lemon flavor with blueberry uh, syrup that I make in-house. You know, we have really delicious tacos. We have a <laughs> smoked tofu that is to to live for. Um, I call it burnt ends. I don't know what that is. Oh, means burnt end tofu. Ends. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, burgers and um, really great breakfast foods. I think that's what really gets people excited because it's very difficult to find vegan breakfast food on a regular, consistent basis every day. Yeah, that's true. I know you've been working in the vegan food space for a while in DFW. How do you think that that the vegan scene here in DFW has evolved since then? Yeah, you know, I started one of the first back in 2014 at the Dallas Farmer's Market. And at that time, there was only two other vegan restaurants. Spiral was one that was uh, open. But now when you do a, a Google map search, you can find almost over 40 different restaurants, small and large, um, exclusively vegan now across uh, DFW. It's mind-blowing how many concepts have been formed in just a short period of time, I think a matter of eight years. And so I'm excited about the explosion. I do believe that flexitarians are leading the charge in in taking this whole lifestyle um, into mainstream. It's not unusual anymore to see vegan foods on a traditional restaurant menu as an option, which I think is awesome. We don't we don't have to go and sit and just have salad and soup any longer whenever we are looking to to go out to eat. And so that makes it really exciting for vegans and vegetarians who used to have tremendous challenges when it came to finding food. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there are so many options and not just like you say, just vegetables. You know, there's a lot of creative stuff um, that's going on out there, too. And a lot of seems like there's a lot of big money behind some of the brands like Impossible brands and things like that. Have you experimented with some of those before? Sure. So uh, one of our partners is Beyond Meat. We have several partners um, and I love creating recipes that resemble what traditionally we are used to growing up with in the South. I mean, that's my niche. That's what I've carved for myself is creating menu items that that look and taste like what you're used to if you're a meat eater. Um, And so we've been able to do that because of Beyond and Impossible and Light Life and Tafurki, all of the others who kind of led the way in creating these kind of alternative meat products. And now you have your alternative milk products that are really making a dent in the the milk space. And so um, it's changed a lot. And I think it's because 
more flexitarians and because of the healthcare issues that people really are are concerned about and facing, they're just making different choices now. May not be 100%, but they are they are looking for plant-based alternatives more frequently now. Yeah, so you think it's um mostly people are seeking it out for more for health reasons now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do believe so. And then also with the creativity that some of these chefs have in the local market, like I, when you mentioned I support, yeah, I'm the person who's always eating <laughs> <I'm> in everyone's <laughs> restaurant because I'm so happy that they're there, but I also love good food. And you have some really creative chefs out there that are just making some, some meals that are mind-blowing. Um, some of them can be premium, luxury, uh, restaurant brands, in my personal opinion, and then you got your fast to go um, eat it on the run type of meals that are just as delicious. Yeah. And what are some of your um, your other local favorites that you like to go to a lot? Oh, you can always catch me at Cafe Del Vegano um, with Chef Liz. I love her food. I also love Recipe Oak Cliff. I love uh, Sankofa. Not many people know about Sankofa over off of Camp Wisdom. And then I also love uh, to eat Bell's. Um, Bell's Burger, something about theirs over there in uh, near downtown uh, Dallas. I really enjoy eating their food as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you're a great ambassador for, for vegan food and in DFW, <laughs> trying them all out and supporting them. Thank you. I'm like Lizzo. I'm the Lizzo of, of DFW eating. <laughs> That's awesome. Going to collaborate with some people, maybe. Yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. So let's talk about uh, your entrepreneurial activism, too, because I know that that's a big part of of what you do, supporting others. Um, you've always been involved in the entrepreneurial community and being a leader and inspiration to others, especially women and women of color. So why is that so important to you? Well, and I left uh, California. I used to work in Silicon Valley back in the time. If you could spell Oracle, you made $150 an hour. It was, it was good times. <laughs> it was good times back then. We made a lot of money. But after the dot-com buzz, I came back and tried to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had made two pledges to myself when I came back to Texas. Was One was I was never going to work for corporate America ever again. Um, I appreciated what I learned. I appreciated the pace. I appreciated all of the um, the rewards and the challenges as well, because I learned from them. But I knew when I came back after the dot-com bust, I just wasn't going to work for anyone else. And I've been working for myself for 20 years now um, as an entrepreneur with um, three different businesses. And I also made a pledge that what I learned, I was going to share. I am committed to sharing information, resources, and tools to, to the people who want it, who are looking to grow. Because I know as a woman, it can be very challenging to gain access. And I've been afforded access. And I feel it's my duty to bring back the information to help build stronger businesses. It's the only way. That was my commitment. And I've been sticking to it for 20 years now. Wow, that's amazing. And what do you see as some of the biggest barriers to access for, for women entrepreneurs? I'm going to say knowledge is one. Um, some people might have thought money, but it's not money. It's, it's knowledge. You don't know what you don't know. And oftentimes right. you have business owners who will start restaurants, they'll start food companies, they'll start tech companies, they'll start a service-based business and have no idea what it takes 
mechanically on the back end to run an operation. They're just running on this by the seat of their pants and by their gut and creating more problems for themselves. So knowledge and, and really having experience in managing an operation is number one. And then I would say two is money. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge right. to, <laughs> to raise money, especially in this environment. You can be the smartest girl in the room, but if you don't have the connections and the network and you don't know how to present your case when it comes to raising capital, you're not going to get the mm-hmm. money. And so that's another challenge. Definitely two big ones there. So it's good to have mentors and role models in the business kind of show you the way. Like if you weren't raised, you know, by parents who knew how to do that stuff, like it doesn't come naturally, you know. So the Goldman Sachs role and initiative is is really super interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you got involved in it? Ooh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, yeah, in 2014, I was busy in 2014. <laughs> I had a contract opportunity to uh, join in on Dallas College. Um, at the time, they were Dallas Community College District. They had received a grant from Goldman Sachs to host the 10,000 Small Business Program. And I was a senior business advisor for six years for that program um, in partnership with Dallas College and did that and helped so many local small businesses throughout that program. That is a tremendous program. And it really, really does help businesses grow and build strong structures. Um, Some really great winners have come out of the 10,000 small business program. Well, when I heard about the 10 billion, that's billion with a B, investment (laughs) that Goldman Sachs was making in Black women-owned businesses, I raised my hand and I said, I have to be there. I've Uh always wanted to serve on a national level and this opportunity presented itself. So I I presented my case and made my case as to what my history and my experience and my record has been here in the local DFW area. And uh, they said yes. And I got an opportunity to be a business advisor for the national program. That's amazing. And so are there any uh, local businesses involved in it? Yeah, actually, there is a company, uh, Dr. Andrea, uh, Andrea, should I say, Harris. She has a company called Growing Through Life International, and she is a scholar in the first inaugural cohort that starts May 23rd. That is wonderful. Well, congratulations on that effort. It's a really huge effort and important for women entrepreneurs. And thank you so much again for being on the show. You're always so inspiring and lovely to talk to. And I can't wait to see what comes next for you. Appreciate you, Erin, and all you guys do. Appreciate it. (laughs) Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we'll talk with Leslie Brenner, former Dallas Morning News dining critic, about her cooking website, Cooks Without Borders. That's right after this. Hey, listeners, this is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. Welcome back to Eat, Drink, DFW. For this segment, I'm super excited to have Leslie Brenner on the show. She's a two-time James Beard Award winner, and we worked together a lot when she was the restaurant critic and dining editor at the Dallas Morning News. Now she's a Dallas-based restaurant consultant who also runs the wonderful cooking site Cooks Without Borders, which just won the 2022 People's Voice Webby Award. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. I'm incredibly excited to be here with you. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's always wonderful to talk to you. And congratulations on the Webby. Can you tell us a little bit more about what a Webby Award is? Well, thank you. Yeah, the Webby Award is sort of the Oscars of the internet world. It awards prizes to websites from all over the world. And um, they get, you know, thousands and thousands of entries. And I'm just totally blown away that the judges chose Cooks Without Borders for um, the category was personal website and blog. Um, So, you know, it was just thrilling to be nominated and then even more thrilling to be chosen the People's Voice winner. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, I really love the website. It's so dynamic. There's so much depth to it. Can you explain a little bit about the site and what your vision has been for it since you started it? Sure. And thank you for the lovely compliments. Um, So I founded the site in early 2016 when I was still at the Dallas Morning News. Mm -hmm. And it, um, the idea behind it is connecting people through food, helping people understand each other's cultures and kind of, you know, promoting world harmony. I know that's like a (laughs) a little bit lofty, but, you know, in its tiny, tiny way, helping people understand each other's cultures through food, because that's a fun way to learn about each other's cultures. So that's always been the idea. And it's kind of tagline is spectacular recipes steeped in culture. Right. So the idea is, It's where you go for outstanding recipes that really, really work, whether you just want to grab a recipe and cook it, Mm -hmm. or you want to really, really learn about a dish. If you look at the homepage, it's kind of like you can look at it and then just just decide where you want to go. And part of what we do is curation, because I feel like there's a million recipes out there in the internets. and. Most of them are not that great. Of course, there are wonderful recipes out there that were great, but it's really, really not easy to find them. So, you know, you have your trusted sources, but even some of the trusted sources, like the recipes don't get tested that much Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it's can be a little bit hit or miss. So I really wanted this to be a destination where you can really trust the recipes and, and trust that you're going to find a great version of whatever it is. So part of that is, a big part of it is curating cookbooks, because I feel like many of the best recipes in the world come from cookbooks. Mm -hmm. But first of all, lots of people aren't ready to go out and, you know, spend $30 on a cookbook just because they're curious about it. It's a lot of money. And with a lot of cookbooks, those recipes aren't always perfect. They haven't always been you know, tested and edited as carefully as you might want them to be. Yes. That's something I've definitely found being a food editor is that a lot (laughs) of the cookbooks out there are not well tested. So exactly. So what I do when I review them is I, um, I really, really put them through the paces. I try to cook at least like seven or eight or nine recipes at least. And then the ones that I publish that I, you know, create adapted recipes from, I correct any mistakes or, you know, and clarify things that need to be clarified that the editors might have missed. Right. Um, and and so you know that the version of it that you get on Cooks Without Borders will work. So that's part of it. But still, like, even if they're not perfect, I want to feature them, right? So right. it's an opportunity for me to put out like, 
here's what I think are the best cookbooks. And one of the blocks on the homepage that you can click on is cookbooks. And you could find there all of the cookbooks that that we've reviewed or that we're recommending, we think are great, whatever. So that's so that's one part of it. And then the other part is like, I really want Cooks Without Borders to be a destination for like, if you say, okay, I want to find the best version of Musaka that exists in the universe. I want you to think about, okay, maybe it'll be a Cooks Without Borders. And then what you'll find is a story about it. You'll learn about what Musaka was originally supposed to be when it was invented, like who invented it, what, you know, a little bit about the background or sometimes a lot about the background (laughs) and what is the platonic ideal for Musaka. And then I work very hard to create a recipe that is the best. So, you know, it'll go through like a gazillion iterations until I'm like super, super excited about whatever that recipe is. So it's a combination of my original recipes and recipes that I've adapted from cookbooks or from chefs, although chef recipes are not always so, um, (laughs) don't always work as you know. I'm familiar with that also. Yes. We don't all have commercial kitchens at home. (laughs) Most of us don't. Or cook for 40 people at a time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, wonderful. So what are some of your you know, favorite recipes and stories that you have on the site right now? Some that just kind of stand out to you as being pretty special. I just reviewed the Arabesque Table by Reem Cassis. um, And there's some wonderful recipes um, from that review. I always think seasonally. So the stories that I do tend to be more about like what's in season. There are a few recipes from her book that are just, you know, that, that are really nice for right now. One with shrimp and artichokes um, and a lot of turmeric and preserved lemon. And yeah, um, yeah, it's a a wonderful book that I highly recommend. Another book that I recently reviewed is Hattie Yinich's latest book. She's, you know, and she has an interesting Texas history. She lived here for, you know, quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, um, I think um, probably by the time we hear this, I will have finished a story about magre, which is duck breast which is a great thing to make in the summer. And it's like everybody's, it's like the favorite dish in France. And lots of Americans have never heard of it. It's a deep dive into Magre with a really easy recipe. I'm super excited about that. And so how would you like to, you know, what are your plans for the site moving forward? How would you like to grow it? Thank you for asking that. I, I'm Right now we're working on what I think is really cool and, and will make the site even more useful for people. And that is an area called cuisine guides that are findable from the homepage. So okay. it already exists on the homepage and it's kind of in beta. Um, but if you like, if you look on the homepage um, under cuisine guides, it takes you to a grid of like Mexican cuisine guide, Thai cuisine guide, Lebanese. So if you want to dive into any particular cuisine, Um, you start from there. So right now there's only one that's live. It's a Mexican cuisine guide. Each Mm -hmm. cuisine guide has an expert. So the Mexican cuisine expert is Olivia Lopez, who is a wonderful Dallas-based Molino Oloyo chef and co-owner. So you can read about Olivia there and, and you can see like it collects everything that we have about Mexican cooking. So you'll find all the stories that we've done about Mexican cooking, all the Mexican recipes, and then you get Mexican cookbooks, Mexican ingredients and flavors, techniques, 
resources all organized. So it's almost like a little Mexican cooking school. Almost all of those things are activated. Like the the recipes and stories are all there. And then the cookbook section is activated. So you can see, like, if you want to get into Mexican cooking, here are the essential cookbooks that you want. Um, And then after that, some others that we also highly recommend, including Treasures of the Mexican Table, which is the Patty Yinich book, but like the, you know, Essential Mexican Cookbooks, Tu Casa, Mi Casa by um, Enrique Olvera and his um, team, and Uh The Essential Cuisines of Mexico by Diana Kennedy. So um, I'm super excited about about that cuisine guide project. And Mm -hmm. one day we will have all all of those (laughs) That's quite the undertaking. So I appreciate you doing it because that's a wonderful resource, you know, to go to for for just about anything. So that's and it's hard to for people to do that kind of research on their own and figure that out. So it's yeah, it's really it's really hard and they shouldn't have to. And that's why right. I wanted to put it all in one place. And like that's where you'll be able to find like um what is the Mexican equipment I'll need? Like and we did a live event with Olivia and Jorge Gaviria, who's head of a company called Macienda that's oh, been right. making the whole kind of heirloom corn movement possible in the United States right now. So yeah. there's links to where to buy that equipment. Where do you, what, you know, what's the best Kamal? Where do I find it? How do I get that heirloom masa arena? All of that stuff. Okay. And so one more thing that I saw on your site about Cook for Ukraine pop up in an e-cookbook. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was something that we started, um, I think, in the beginning of March. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted to raise money for Jose Andres's um, Chefs for Ukraine, which is part of his... World Central Kitchen. They have, uh, you know, teams all over the ground around right. Ukraine, around the borders, and they're feeding people at the borders and refugees coming out, and also people within Ukraine. And so it's an amazing organization, and I wanted to raise money for it. So um, we have a 25 favorite recipes from Cooks Without Borders. You could buy an okay. e-cookbook for the special price of $5, and 100% <laughs> of that goes to um, Chefs for Ukraine. And so you know, I was kind of astounded by the support and we like immediately raised $300, which I sent to um, World Central Kitchen, but people kept clicking on it. So I have left it up there. So it was supposed to right. be a limited time offer, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just leaving it up there until people stop ordering them. So people order them and then I wait, you know, a few weeks and then I'll send that money over to the, um, to the nonprofit. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for mentioning that. It's still, sure. you know, there's still a huge need there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And so I know that you have um, covered the Dallas restaurant scene in the past as restaurant critic and dining editor, but you're a restaurant consultant in Dallas now working with amazing spots like Meridian, the modern Brazilian restaurant in the village. Um, how are you feeling about the Dallas restaurant scene right now? What's kind of exciting to you and what would you like to see more of in Dallas? Well, it is a really exciting and interesting scene right now. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a funny scene right now. I mean, you guys have written about this somewhat too, but, um, you know, the fact that (laughs) there's so many expensive, like crazy expensive restaurants, um, and then the restaurants for the rest of us, Um, there's also a lot of Italian restaurants. Yeah. yeah. My my head is spinning from all the Italian restaurants. Yep. Same. 
I've so enjoyed um, consulting. I, I really, really, really love it because it's it's like so much of it is storytelling and you'll have a wonderful restaurateur, often a chef who decides to open a restaurant mm-hmm. and like, here's my restaurant. I have all this wonderful food, but they haven't like really thought about what is my restaurant? What's the concept? Yeah. Um, what makes it special? So that's what I help them do, Um, like figure out what it is that's special about what they do and then tell that story. What I would love to see more of is is restaurateurs not opening until they understand what their restaurant is and wants to be so that it's not just like, hey, I'm a chef doing food. Like, but like, why are we coming here? Like, what? What is this restaurant about? Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on again, Leslie. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon to chat. Um, You can read more on Leslie's site, cookswithoutborders.com, and follow it on Instagram as well at instagram.com slash cookswithoutborders. Thank you again, Leslie. Thank you, Erin. Nice to talk to you. (laughs) Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. Also, we want to hear from you. We want to know what y'all are eating, drinking, trying, and loving, and we want you to tell us about it. We want your questions too, so fill out our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on a future episode. The show is produced by Natalie Kalmogun. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.